Here's a very simple truth. Jesus Christ is who we need to know and believe in. Really straightforward, right? You're thinking, I gave up my Saturday night to come out and that's, uh, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> Jesus Christ is who we need to know and believe in. That's, that sounds, to many people, closed-minded. I, have, I am not looking elsewhere. I know that Jesus Christ is who I need to know and believe in. And I'm closed-minded about that. That's as far as I need to go. Some people are so open-minded, their brains have fallen out. I'm, I'm closed-minded. And, and you think, well, that, that sounds like, do you know everything for sure? No, but I know him. That's, that I know. That part I know. And you think, well, that is closed-minded. But, okay, Rose and I are married and exclusive and closed-minded about being married to anyone else. Right, sweetie? Thank you for not hesitating. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Jesus is who we need. I need him. I need him for me. I need him for me. Who we, he's who we need to know. We need to know him. Not just know about him. We need to know him. He's who we need to believe in. That's simple and true. And it's God's will for us. It's God's will for humanity. The testimony that Claudia just shared. That young boy, God's beckoning him. He's calling to him. Why? Because it's his will that that young boy know him. They didn't know him. I want to read a lengthy passage from John's Gospel about a dramatic uh, event, episode in Jesus' life. A really consequential event that takes place about a week, maybe eight or nine days before Jesus' crucifixion. In fact, this miracle motivated the most influential leaders of, Jeru of Judaism in Jerusalem. This miracle motivated them to set aside their differences in order to eliminate a common enemy. You know, if, how many have heard of the Pharisees? You've heard that term from the Bible, the Pharisees. How many have heard of the Sadducees? Another sect. Those two groups were not together. They, they didn't like each other. The Sadducees were a little more, uh, you would say, political and culturally relevant. And they had, the Pharisees would have called them sellouts. They had sold out to the culture. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were so legalistic that they were, you know, they, they focused so much on the minutia of following the law that they lost the spirit of the law. They were, and, but these two groups did not like each other. They didn't work together. But Jesus' miracle that we're about to read, this sort of, cause, sort of galvanized a, a, shortly, a short-term uh, union between them to eliminate a common enemy who was threatening them. He was threatening their status, their influence, and, of course, the great irony is that 
their common enemy, the enemy threatening them, just happened to be their long-awaited Messiah. But he didn't do things the way they expected, so they gathered together. It's not a twist. They gathered together to get rid of him. This episode brought about Jesus' own death as foretold in Scripture. This miracle was part of it. Let's read. Um, How did I end up not on the right page? All right. Let's start. John chapter 10, verse 40. Now, Jesus has done some great things in that area, but he's had to leave. And it says, um, John 10, 40. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing. And he was staying there. And many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Now a certain man... Excuse me. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. Bethany was the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, where he was. All right, I'm going to just skip a few verses and start again in verse 14. Then Jesus, therefore, said to them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, I love this, this is, this is faithful Thomas, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> that's, his, that's faith right there. Let's go, let's go with him and die. Okay? So when Jesus came, there's one of those all the time. Often it's been me. Oh, man, this is going to kill us. All right, let's go. You know? <laughs> so... So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, in that climate, that's a long time. Usually they buried people within the day because there's even a cultural belief in Judaism, at least there was, that on the fourth day, the spirit departs because it didn't recognize the face anymore because of decomposition. So that on the fourth day, the spirit of the person, until then, the spirit was hanging around, the spirit of the person. But now it would leave because it didn't recognize the face. Now, I don't really believe that that's true. But the fourth day was significant. In that climate, this body's been in there. This is a while now, okay? Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary still sat in the house. Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so the Jews were saying, Behold how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have kept this man also from dying? Jesus, therefore, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it, just like a Jesus tomb, a large stone. That was customary. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I knew that you hear me always. But because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth, just like they did with Jesus. Jesus said to him, uh, sorry, Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Verse 45, many therefore of the Jews who had come to Mary and beheld what he had done, believed in him. Okay, Jesus in chapter 10, had left the region because opposition was intensifying against him. He had healed a blind man, but they wanted to get him. You know, really, that's not a good thing, but they wanted to get him. Why? Because people were going after him, and these leaders that we already mentioned were jealous. They didn't like it. They're losing their influence, losing their status. Everybody wants this guy. And in fact, you'll see in uh, in the speech just coming up, uh, just after this, if you read ahead afterward, they say the whole world has gone after him. Everybody's going to believe in him. We are irrelevant. That's how people are going to view us. But it didn't have to be that way. If they believed in him and got on board, they're relevant. 
They could go along, but instead, nope. We, we want the status we have and the influence we have. Even if it gets putrefied by a, by a plot to murder the Messiah. What are you thinking? How is this possible? It's like, Mr. Pharisee, wake up! What are you doing? That's the Messiah and you want to kill him and think you're going to have your status and your influence? Wrong! So here are these people. They've got this. Jesus had to leave because the opposition was intensifying. And where he went, many believed in him. Everywhere he went, that happened. People came. But some friends of Jesus were in crisis. Some friends back near Jerusalem, about two miles away. They were in crisis. Jesus had stayed with them before. We see them in uh, Luke chapter 10. Jesus has dinner with them and Martha's busy. Mary's at his feet. This family, he knew them. They were friends, but they're in crisis. And they do what any intelligent follower of Jesus ought to do in crisis. It says in verse... um, Sorry, I I lost it here. Um, Verse 3. The sisters therefore sent to him. They sent to Jesus. We're in crisis. What should we do? Let's start by sending to Jesus. That's a picture of prayer for us. We're in crisis. What do we do? Jesus. I heard a testimony by the man that used to be uh, Pastor Mel who uh, the, the man who used to be Pastor Mel's pastor. And he said he was on a flight. And I've probably told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I want to hear it. They're on a flight, and he said his wife, they hit an air pocket back when it was a prop plane, and he said it dropped. And how many have ever been on a plane when it does that significantly? And your stomach comes out of your mouth for a second, and it doesn't feel good. And he said... His wife did the thing that he wished he had done. As soon as they dropped, he said, everybody on the plane is kind of like, ah! He said his wife was just, as soon as it dropped, she went, Jesus! She called out to him. It's like, that's beautiful. It's like her reflex was, call him. I'm in crisis. We're going down. Jesus. It's like rather than just screaming, what's that going to do? You know, freak out the people next to you. You know, it's like, no, she cried out to Jesus. That's what we ought to do. Martha and Mary, they're in crisis. Our brother is dying. Jesus is two days away. By the time that guy got there, Lazarus, he died shortly after the messenger went. He probably was dead long before the messenger got anywhere near Jesus. So by the time Jesus heard it, what does it say? He stayed two days longer. Wow. So they send to Jesus. That's our, ought to be our reflex, our, our prayer reflex. I'm in crisis. I send for Jesus. I call him. I, I want to do that. I, I want to be that person. But look at the Savior's response. Verse 4. This won't end in death, he says. This won't end in death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. It won't end in death, 
but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Jesus is not blowing smoke here. He means what he says. It won't end in death. Now, when death happens, it must have been like, Jesus missed it. Wrong. It didn't end in death. It looked like it for a little while. He means what he says on a level even greater than the miracle of raising Lazarus. He says, this won't end in death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. He uses that language all through the book of John when it says the Gentiles came, they go to Andrew, they say, we want to meet Jesus. And he says, my hour has come to be glorified. He keeps using that language. What does it mean? Jesus being glorified means the cross, his death, his resurrection. So he says, this won't end in death but for the glory of God, the Son of God may be glorified by it. This miracle won't end in death, at least not for Lazarus at the moment. This is going to end in Jesus being glorified. He uses that language again and again as a reference to the cross, the death, the resurrection. But he knew this miracle would be a trigger for those who opposed him. Did Jesus have the power now? You look at this. Did Jesus have the power to heal Lazarus before he died? Sure. Both the sisters come and say, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And that's true. If you had been here. But he purposely stayed away. So he has power to heal. Sometimes when I've prayed for somebody... I realize that where my faith is lacking is not that he has the ability. My faith is lacking that he has the will. But even that, in this case, it wasn't that he didn't have the will. In fact, look at what, look at what John writes here. He says, the, the sisters send and say, you know, the one you love is sick. And it says in verse 5, sorry, verse 6, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed then two days longer. But before that, as a preface to that verse, John writes, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Man, if he loved them so much, why didn't he pick up the pace and get there? He had the power to do it. But it's almost like John, by the Holy Spirit, knew that Jesus' delay and seeming lack of urgency might be interpreted as a lack of care. But that would be wrong. He loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He loved them. And when that word comes to you because you don't get the miracle that you're praying for or the answer you're praying for or the provision or the breakthrough when you first ask it, when that thought comes to you, maybe God really just doesn't love you as much as he loves Sophie, as much as he loves Dwayne, as much as he loves Tammy. He, you're on the lower level. Wrong. Rebuke it. It's a lie from the enemy. It's like you read verse 5 like it's for you. Now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He loved them. 
And then he stayed two days longer. Why? It's not a matter of power, but of purpose. The issue wasn't power. The issue was he had a bigger purpose that there's no way they could have figured it out. You know, have you ever had that where you're thinking, God, I cannot even imagine why you're delaying this breakthrough. I need it. I'm in pain. Would you break through? Would you come through for me? Why would you want me to stay put? Well, maybe, maybe he's about to break through and he just wanted to see you get urgent. Or maybe there's another plan and it's like if you just continue to trust, believe, wait, I don't mean passively, but God, I need you, I need you, I'm seeking you, I'm looking for my breakthrough in you, and you continue to do that, and then God's purpose and plan unfold sometimes. Sometimes, as I've said to you, I prayed and prayed and prayed, God, I want to get married. I'm 35. I don't have a wife. I want a wife, God. It's like, you know, please break through and I was praying that when I was 23 when Rose was 14. It's like, you're going to need to wait. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to gross you out. <laughs> you need to wait a bit. She has some maturing to do and so do you, Buster. <laughs> like, you know. So, I want it now, God. God has a purpose. The issue is purpose, not just power. So Jesus, he, he moves at a different pace than we think our crisis demands. He does it lots at a different pace than we think our crisis demands. He moves at a different pace than I think love would demand. If you loved me, you would start doing something about this right now. Oh, because I'm so wise and I have such a clear perspective. That's what I think in the moment, because I can't imagine, but God sees a bigger picture. A different pace than crisis and love seem to demand. Why? Why does he do that? We may not actually get the reasons why. We may not get it till we get to heaven. I don't know if we'll get it then. Maybe we won't care when it happens. But he has purposes in motion and we can't see it. We can't see from the perspective that he's looking at. All we can see, like Martha and Mary, is that I'm in pain. Make it disappear. Now, it won't always be comforting to hear that God may be unfolding a higher purpose that requires a different timetable than mine. But it's true. I can say it right now because I feel like I'm not in crisis. But when I am, I'm, I might be like, one of you, if you're in crisis right now, and you're thinking, God, you got, you got to answer right now, please. Jesus says to his disciples in verses 14 and 15, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, so that you may believe. That's incredible. I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe. The New Living Translation says, so that you may really believe. Well, because they, they believed in him already. But he says, I'm glad I wasn't there because if I did, you would just see, oh, Jesus the miracle worker. But he wanted to show something bigger than that. 
He wanted to show something greater than just being Jesus the miracle worker. What might seem initially like a deterrent to faith, his holding back, his hanging back, his waiting, what seemed like a deterrent to faith will actually push their faith into overdrive. I love it. When this thing is done, it's like, wow. You look at what happens at the beginning of chapter 12. It says Martha had a dinner for Jesus and Lazarus was there. And it says that the Pharisees wanted to kill him too now because, because of him and what he represented. Many people were going and believing in Jesus. So now they want to kill him. He just got, he just got raised from the dead and the religious people want to kill him. That's beautiful. That's just absolutely, it's, it's hilarious in a, you know, mad scientist kind of way. What Jesus did actually raised people's faith. It didn't diminish it. His timing, if we see it the way that he wants us to see it. And in the next two paragraphs where Jesus speaks with the two sisters, first Martha, then secondly Mary, the same kind of human perspective, the same limited perspective we have is voiced. Lord, if you'd been there, uh, been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's true. Jesus responds by revealing to Martha who he is. He doesn't say, well, it's, here's the reason or this or that. No, he reveals who he is. He talks to her and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's his answer. Those who believe in me will live even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He's more than a mighty miracle worker. Good as that is, he's much more. You want to overcome death itself? We need Jesus. We need actually him. Not just doing miracles, we need him. We lay hold of him. This, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life... That is number six of his I am sayings. Through the book of John, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. This one is number six. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. His response to them saying, why did you delay? You could have healed him. And his response is, I'm the resurrection. And the life. He's the life you need. Took a little while, I'm sure, but he's saying, this is who I am. That's who you need. You don't just need the miracle of your brother being raised. If he hadn't raised him, Jesus would still be Messiah. He would still be the one we need. But he points to who he is. That's what he wants Martha to get here. And not just her, but us. So he arrives at Lazarus' tomb. And he says, remove the stone, meaning open it up. Verse 39, Martha intervenes. Lord, he's been dead for four days, as we already said. He's going to stink. By this time, there will be a stench. Surely, Jesus, you know this. It's almost disrespectful that Jesus would say, open up the tomb. After four days, it's like, Jesus, this is not done. He, he's, decomposition is happening and it's going to be vile when that stone gets rolled away. It's, it's kind of disrespectful almost. But what does Jesus do? In fact, before we go, get to that, what Jesus commanded 
seems disrespectful. In Luke 7 and 8, there's two examples of Jesus raising people from the dead. One is Jairus' daughter. And she died only minutes before he got there. And he did this in private. He kicked everybody out of the room and he speaks to her, little lamb arise. That's what it means, little lamb arise. And she gets healed. And what does he do? He tells them, don't tell anybody. In the next chapter, he raises this widow's only son. Again, they're just on their way out, the funeral procession. So the guy would have died that day. They didn't wait around more than a day. He w- it would have just happened. They're taking him out. So again, the guy just died. Jesus goes up. I love this one because nobody even asked him. I think that's just, it, to me, it's funny even. Hey, we're having a funeral here. Hey, I, I know. Let's do something fun. Let's raise the dead guy. You know, end of funeral. Like, that's really something. He goes and he raised, but the guy had just died. Now in this one, four days, remove the stone, get it out of the way. We're going to do something different here today. There would be that unmistakable smell of death. Now, whether there was or not, and he just got restored, I don't know. Nobody mentions it. Jesus brings Martha back to himself. Verse 40, this is the verse that stands out to me. Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not say to you? Jesus says this to all of us all the time. Didn't I tell you? I was thinking of this. I was reading my Bible and this came alive when we were on vacation and I was in our campsite and I was thinking of the testimony that Uh, Claudia uh, alluded to when Casey said she was in the bookstore in Abbotsford and God kept saying to her, give, go help that woman get a Bible. It's like, didn't I tell you to do this? Didn't I tell you? Jesus says that kind of thing. He said it to me before. Didn't I tell you to quit this thing you're doing? Didn't I tell you to bite your tongue before that conflict got going? Didn't I tell you to go here or go there? Didn't I say this before? Has God ever said that kind of word to you? Yeah, didn't I say this is what the result would be of you getting proud and digging your heels in? Well, he's never said that one to me, but as you can imagine. Didn't I say? So he says to uh, Martha, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? But here, the amazing thing is that he says, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. She didn't really believe. It doesn't appear that she really did believe. Not for what he was doing. Not for the miracle that he was about to do. She didn't have faith for that. Yes, Lord, I believe he'll raise again. He'll rise again in the last day. No, it's today. Oh, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. It's like she, she doesn't have faith for that particular miracle. She, and yet he says, if you believe. Yet she still saw the glory of God, right? She didn't seem to believe. So did Jesus say that for nothing? If you believe? No, he never He never says things for nothing. Martha didn't appear to have faith that her brother would be raised back to life right then. 
Verse 24, she said, I know he'll rise in the resurrection, but today, no, I don't think she's believing for that. Not right before her eyes. She didn't really believe that. Yet she saw the glory of God. So what did Jesus mean? I think what Jesus was pointing to here, the believing that he was talking about was in him. You believe in me. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And she did believe in him. She kept believing in him. She, she, that's why they sent to him. That's why when she heard he's coming, she went to meet him. Even when he mentioned about the miracle, yes, Lord, I believe that he'll raise, you'll raise him up. Oh, well, have you believed this? Yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah. She's believing in him. She, wasn't, she didn't know how to believe for that particular miracle. But he's saying, if you believe, if you believe in what? If you believe in me. Your faith in me, the one you know, the one who's before you, the, the person of Christ, not just the works of Christ. Good as those are, the person of Christ. That's who I want. I want the miracles. I want God to heal more people, to deliver more people, to do those things for people, but mostly I want him. And I want people to have him. If I, if I die without miracles but I still have Jesus. I'm rich. I have what I want. Great thing is, I believe he wants to do those things in the earth and he's promised them, so I believe he'll do it. But he's pointing to belief in him. You will see the glory of God if you're believing in me, and she did. In fact, others who didn't share her belief in him even witnessed the glory of God just by being in the vicinity of somebody who believed. Wow, that's how it ought to be. I want people coming around you guys and saying, wow, there's something extraordinary. Kind of like I said, that event happening in Coquitlam. People saying something, there's something more here. I I want to be free from drugs. Come and put them on the stage. I want to be free from pornography. Come and get delivered. I want to be free from my immoral life, from my rebellion against God. I want to be free because being around you people, I see something of the glory of God. I want it. I want it. And I think that that's something that God is promising. Jesus is saying, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And you'll see it in the face of Jesus. Believe in him. These people who didn't believe witnessed the glory of God just because they were near people who believed in him. Now, I won't always know where Jesus is going with things. In fact, I feel like I usually don't know where he's going with things. On other than, you know, this step, oh, the next step. I don't see way down the road a lot of times. I don't know where he's going with things. I may not believe for a precise course of action all the time, but I must believe in Jesus. I must believe in the one that I know, the one I walk with, okay? And we'll say more about this next week, but in the same way that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are called friends of Jesus. Jesus even says that. I love it when he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Wow, to have it coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Oh, my friend Michael. Wow, my friend Jenny. Oh, my friend Sheena. 
Jesus saying those words, yes, Lord, I want to hear it. So here's, the, they're called friends because they know him. They know him and love him and they know that he loves them. Martha even sent to Jesus and said, he whom you love. They knew Jesus loved him. So in the same way that these people are called friends of Jesus, and it states clearly that Jesus loved them, in the same way that they had relationship with him, they knew him. And because they knew him, they had a firm, abiding belief in him. Something more unshakable than a miracle. Something more unshakable than signs and wonders. And boy, please don't take that, that I don't want signs and wonders. I do. But something more unshakable than that, because there were people that saw signs and wonders, and a week later, crucify him, crucify him. How is that even possible? Well, I don't know. But they didn't know him. I want to know him and have my faith rooted in him, not just in some miraculous thing he did. I want faith rooted in him so that I see the glory of God. That's my desire, is to see the glory of God. You want to see the glory of God, right? You don't want just miracles. We want to see the glory of God in miracles, but you want to see it in the face of Jesus forever. See the glory of God. Believe in Him. You want to believe in Him, right? Know Him. Know Him. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. It's all things we need. I am living water. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no person, no woman comes to the Father but through me, he says. We need him.